Well, hello and welcome to this episode of FD Talks. Today's program is a little bit of a departure from what we have been doing. You see, almost weekly we have funeral directors from all over the United States come in to visit us right here in Abilene, Texas and see what we do. Chris Seal, president and CEO of Funeral Directors Life, recently had some input and some pretty interesting discussion with one of these groups of funeral directors. And it was on the topic of solutions and technologies for better serving today's dispersed families. And I'm very happy and pleased to be able to share a portion of that discussion with you right here today on FD Talks. This is FD Talks, a brand new podcast series by Funeral Directors Life, where we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace. I told you all yesterday about one of the things that, that we really like to do in our area is to go in and um, work with you as a business to help you find that story, what it is about you, so we can help tell that story. So we've kind of taken this approach now too because we also believe, just as every funeral home has a story, we also believe that every, and you probably would concur with this, that every family that you serve also has a story. So today's perspective, we're actually gonna talk with Chris um, because Chris is actually the family in this situation. Um, last, uh, it was last year, was it, was it a whole year ago? April. It was April uh, of last year, Chris lost his, his aunt. Um, and she was a pretty prominent figure in, in her community, but because obvious, uh, obviously because of COVID lockdowns and things like that, they've had to delay services and they've had to de delay them three, three times three now. Times. Mm -hmm. So um, Chris is, is now in charge of putting that service together and it's a small town where, where it's gonna happen. And, and Chris, he, has, he brings a unique perspective because he's the CEO of this company that you all have been visiting for the past four, Oh, 10, 12 hours now, something like that? Almost 24. Almost 24 hours. So Chris's perspective is really kind of what we are trying to document today. And Chris, I would like for you to just maybe share a little bit uh, about your aunt and yeah. why, why it's important that we memorialize her. Rob, you know, just to, just to kind of let everyone know exactly what happened, uh, my aunt, as far what, she got married back in the early 40s. And shortly after she got married, her husband, uh, was uh, sent overseas to fight in World War II. And it just so happened that his plane got shot down over um, France and he was missing in action. And so she, at the time, of course, held out hope that her husband was still alive and that she would, um, you know, hopefully meet up with him at some point and, and, and they would, you know, get back together and renew their relationship and such. Um, but it, it didn't happen. Years went by and years went by and years went by. And yet she still did not remarry. She did not, you know, and she found out later, and I'm talking about much later, in like 2002, 2003, that his plane actually went down in a small French community called Lavant. Uh, it's hard for me to pronounce it, but from West Texas, but uh, uh, it is a, a small town. And they actually celebrated him uh, because his plane was, was shot down and the plane was headed directly into this village and he could have ejected, but he didn't in order to ensure that his plane did not hit the village. So he was celebrated and his name was Billy D. Harris, but they thought it was Billy D. Harris and they thought he was actually from Canada. They didn't realize he was from the United States. Well, once all the pieces came together, they realized that uh, my aunt was, um, uh, you know, the widow of this guy who was actually 
heroic in that community and he was celebrated in that community. And for anybody who wants to, um, to see more about this, 60 Minutes, um, as well as uh, Sunday Morning with Charles Kuralt, mm -hmm. did a feature on her and Billy D. Harris and how this all happened. And the, this little community of France more or less adopted my aunt and, and she was loved and, and um, revered in that town. And then not only there, but in her hometown of Vernon, which is the hometown of the Seal family, okay, where my, my aunt moved back to ultimately um, um, many years ago. Um, and so it's it just kind of a unique story. And some of us had lost touch with her over the past five or six years. And um, I get a phone call out of the blue from um, someone in the community there in Vernon. And um, my aunt uh, had assumed that I had a power of attorney to take care of her affairs because she was beginning to have some loss of memory and such. And um, I had to step in and help her out. I didn't have the power of attorney. None of my cousins had the power of attorney. She had no children, obviously, because she never remarried. And um, uh, we had to come in and sort out her affairs. It was, it was a wild time. And then ultimately, two years after all of this occurred, she then uh, passed away last April. So that's that's quick and dirty little story about my aunt, how all of this happened, and why I'm involved in the position that I'm in. So I, I know, Chris, that a lot of things had get put on hold um, because of, of the pandemic, yeah. but you had an experience today that um, was put on hold, and, and now you yeah. got to experience that today. Will you tell, tell us about that? Absolutely. This morning, I actually had the pleasure of uh, going to Waco, Texas, and being at Baylor University and watching my daughter graduate from Baylor University. She actually graduated last May uh, in 2020 and obviously there was no ceremony. So the ceremony didn't occur until today. And so that's why I'm wearing my regalia yes. today. I have my BU tie and a little BU pin. And uh, my wife and I were able to go um, and, and some other family members to uh, Baylor and watch her. Now I didn't know exactly how this was gonna go and so um, we went, we were outdoors, um, which was great. Everything was super. Again, I didn't know how it was going to, to, things were going to flow and how I would feel and how our family members would feel. It was kind of a unique deal. But you know, once the ceremony started, Rob, and that's why I wanted to be, I wanted to, to show you guys what was going on here. Once the ceremony started, man, all of the emotions and all the pride and all the feelings that you would have of, of a life celebration or a life ceremony. You know, I look at, um, I look at this or, or a graduation like this as a passage from one phase of life to the next. And I think that's the way we view funeral ceremonies as well. So I was going, oh my gosh, this is crazy how this has come about where I'm attending this ceremony for my daughter and I'm having all these emotions and same feelings and the pride and the tears and just listening to the prayer and that they had at the ceremony and, and the speaker who was the president of the university talking about the importance of each person and individual and, and the value they're going to bring to um, society as they get out and, and um, uh, begin their careers. And all of that made me reflect on this ceremony that I'm about to have for my aunt on her um, 97, would have been her 97th birthday on June the 25th. I decided to do it that way. And the crazy thing is I'm now saying, oh wow, you can actually have a ceremony about a, a life passage 
um, and you can do it later and you can still have the emotions because we were kind of taught in the funeral profession all along, you need to have the funeral soon after the death occurs because <clears throat> um, if, you, if you don't, there may be a lot of loss of emotion. It really doesn't help with the grieving process, and et cetera. Now, I'm definitely not recommending that anyone wait a year or more to have a, a, a funeral. But I, I am saying that I think there is some time that can be had between a death occurring and the funeral because um, it gives people time to kind of get their thoughts together, arrange their schedules. And I know people don't want to hear that. It's just the way society is gone, though. When you've got all these dispersed families, I mean, families don't live in one community anymore. I'm talking about the whole family. Mm -hmm. And family and friends now live all over the place. And even in the situation of my aunt living in France, she's got close, close friends who live in France. And my family is spread all over the United States. So it was tough for us to get together. When I tried to schedule those three different times, it was difficult for my family to arrange their schedules to get there. And I was upset about that. I was upset at them. You know, why wouldn't you care enough about my aunt that you'd want to come back? Mm. Well, you got to understand everybody, as we know, everybody has lots of things going on in their life. And two, there are different situations. This is my aunt's situation who is 96 years old, you know, and, and, and she, you know, didn't have any children um, and so forth. But she did have five uh, uh, siblings or, or brothers and sisters. She had three brothers and two sisters. And so there's lots of cousins. And so, again, I was a little upset at my cousins for not wanting to come back at that time. But now guess what? This is what's crazy, Rob. I've started to receive feedback from my family and they're gonna come. I mean, the majority of my family, my first cousins, they're coming to Vernon, Texas to be a part of the ceremony. And I think it's not that they didn't want to, it's that I didn't give them enough time each time I rescheduled it, it was on a short schedule. But this time I was able to give them a few months to get some things arranged. And they're, they're gonna come back, which I thought, you know, this, is, this may be something that turns out to be an incredible life passage ceremony. Do you think some of that also might be just because of how persistent you were about trying to make sure that this was gonna happen? Well, it was a commitment actually that I made to my aunt that, that we would have a service at her church in Vernon, Texas. I guess my persistence came in because I continued to stay in touch with my cousins and asked them if they or their families would wanna be a part. And ultimately, again, that's proven to be a, a great thing. They're, they're responding. I'm really glad you got to have that, that experience today with uh, the graduation. And, and what we've seen uh, just happen over the past year is almost an acceptance of loss. And we've lost a lot. You know, yeah. I mean, many people have lost their lives and some people have lost their health, but we, in general, we've lost a lot. We've lost a lot of privileges and the ability to have salt and pepper on the table. I mean, <laughs> at some point there are different levels of loss, but ultimately, you know, we, I, I don't think we, can, we should be accepting of, of all of that, particularly those meaningful events in life. And, and I know that um, there were a lot of funerals that weren't able to take place last year. And I, in fact, the, my neighbor across the street, today is the anniversary of his passing. He, mm -hmm. he died one year ago today. And, mm -hmm. and his wife, you know, she, I, I, I have tried and worked really hard with her to say like, we, we need to do something because we weren't able to yeah. do it before. And, you know, it's, it's really common for those people who have had a loss during that time to have moved on in some capacity. Yeah. But um, 
you just, I wonder just, I got a question, and you guys as funeral directors may have some input on this as well, but um, how does that affect mental health? Have you all experienced um, a family who maybe wasn't able to have a funeral for one reason or another, but really should have? See, I, I think that's, that's more common, um, and, and I hear that a lot, a lot of times when I'm in the funeral home with, with funeral directors, and they're like, they'll see those families six months later, um, and you know, there's, they, they say that they wish they had done something. Yeah. And I just don't think that uh, the pandemic really ought to be a good enough reason to, to just rob yourself of, of that right. passage ceremony like you had today. I agree, and I think families probably don't know that they have the option to come back and, and, and really deter have a ceremony. I think that's kind of incumbent upon us in the, in the funeral profession to allow families or, or let them know that this is an option for them or an opportunity for them and why. That, uh, you know, again, I see it one of those things like I did this morning where I had the same emotions and I was going, you know, this should have happened last year. It happened now and I've had a sense of pride. I had the emotions. I, I listened to the prayer. I mean, the, they had a, a gentleman pray over the, the, um, uh, all of the graduates, and it was an emotional prayer, you know? And I was like, this is so, so true, and this is so important. We can't lose these moments. And how do we communicate that well to those who may have had a death in their family during COVID-19 and then not, not have had that opportunity to have a ceremony. So again, first things first, and I know we've got several things to talk about, but having that ceremony was important today, and I didn't realize how important it was until I was actually there in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at this the same way with my, my aunt's funeral now, and I'm now saying this is important because now I can now see the value of the ceremony, and it's actually, crazy thing is kind of bringing my family together in some kind of family reunion type of, of method that otherwise we would not have had. So it's kind of crazy. But you know, the other thing, and, and uh, you and I were talking earlier about live streaming. Mm -hmm. And because one of the things we've been trying to talk about here is how can we do live streaming better? Because we're concerned that uh, through COVID-19 as an example, when there was a funeral or a ceremony or a graveside or, or an event that occurred around a funeral that we really didn't have the technology available to do a good job of bringing that funeral to those who could not come. Mm -hmm. Now the crazy thing is they couldn't come last year because there were restrictions about attendance at, at events, specifically indoors. You know, now as things loosen up, we can get back to more people coming, but we still have an important uh, fact that I think we miss sometime in the funeral business, and that is how dispersed families are these days. And with the dispersed families, how important it is for them to be involved in the funeral service, you know? And their involvement in the funeral service is just as important as those who are there in person. It's not that they don't want to come, it's that they've got other obligations or travel or whatever that make it very difficult to come on short notice, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can come up with some system of providing an extraordinary experience with live streaming, and we're, I'm definitely not talking about a lot of the services that have been out there. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of taking what has been done and say, how can things be done better and more versatile 
in a funeral experience type situation because funeral experiences can occur anywhere, either at the graveside or, or at the chapel or at a church or at an event center or a country club or, or whatever. It's how can we capture those moments. So one of the things we're talking about with my aunt's funeral, and, and I'm so glad we're going to be documenting some of this, is having this live streamed experience that we're talking about because we've been working on some concepts. And then also um, having an opportunity to have more like a Zoom type meeting at, the, at a, uh, a luncheon and reception for my family where uh, we can have two-way co type conversation during that, that event. Now in the funeral event, understood, you know, it's difficult to have that, but we've discussed having one-way chat so people can chat in their feelings and thoughts about how things are going, not necessarily be interactive in the funeral, mm -hmm. but have some uh, opportunity to express emotion. You know, our society is so much different now than it used to be. And I think the importance of bringing these things to families and friends so that they can be a part of the ceremony simply expands the reach of what funeral service can and should be. Do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. And I, I also am, I, I like, I'm, I'm almost proud of our profession for, I believe, I, we've spent, I know that we were on lockdown for a while, but me and my team still have traveled and we've been in funeral homes and we've seen funeral directors really start to embrace this technology. And it's not what they were always, what many of them were always afraid of. They thought it was gonna be a replacement for human interaction. It's, right. it's almost, it's an augmentation of it. Exactly. And, and that's been really important too because they have felt empowered at their use of technology and being able to, I, wow, I can do a Zoom. I can actually stream a, a, a funeral service. And now it's demanded of them yeah. because families have, have experienced that. In fact, society on the whole has really done a really good job of, of embracing virtual. But the preference, I think, is always going to be there for the, the human one-on-one -on -one interaction. I cannot agree more. In fact, that's what I believe. People want to be there. And if there are reasons why they cannot be there, they're going to want to be, participate in some way, form, or fashion. And live streaming is the best way we can do that. And again, society's different today than it was 30 years ago. Families live literally all over the world, and friends of the family live all over the world. And I think you know we have a, a false sense in our profession that there's a lack of caring, and uh, you know people won't come to the funeral because there's a lack of caring. I think people still care. Oh yeah. I think the problem is they now live all over the place and it's just more difficult to get back to a funeral in three or four days after the death. So we've got to be, we've got to realistically look at this as a profession and say if this is an issue and we're going to have funerals three or four days after the death, and some, in my belief, don't have to be three or four days after the death. They may be six or eight weeks after the death, depending on the situation, and I understand that. So I'm making some of my funeral director friends mad at me already. <laughs> But I simply want them to, I want my, my funeral director friends and our profession to understand that we have got to adapt to where society is today. And if we want funerals to remain relevant, which I do because I believe in ceremony and, and ceremony because of, of passage of life, that we have got to be more intentional about trying to include more people who desire to be a part of the funeral in the funeral. And if we don't do that, I think we're making a serious mistake. Agreed. It's kind of like putting your head under, you know, in the sand whenever we knew cremation was starting to be more of a, of a preference among families. We stuck our head in the sand 30 years ago.
25 years ago. And we can't do that today with technology and with the fact that families live all over the place. We can't stick our head in the sand and say, this is just gonna go away and blame the families for not caring. I think that's wrong. Well, Chris, I think I saw an email today that we're 36 days out from that event. Yes. Um, I look forward to uh, touching base with you um, between now and then just to kind of see how this is yeah. going and uh, document the process. Let's do it. All It'll right. Be fun. I appreciate having you, Thanks, having you here today. Thanks. Appreciate it. If you would like to reach out to us about this episode or this series, please visit us online at funeraldirectorslife.com forward slash FD Talks. There you can find information about this episode and submit any comments, suggestions, or feedback about our series. And we also welcome your ideas for future episodes. Join us next time on FD Talks as we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace.